It's time. You got your gas mask ready? It's the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland, turning scrap metal into cash. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe here in the Ozone. We're talking sports. Give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. If you're technologically inclined, you can reach us at ozone at hallradio.net. That's ozone at hallradio.net. Coach Joe, the poor old Rays, man, they've lost four in a row. They're down uh, to the Orioles right now, three to one. The bottom of the fifth are going to the top of the sixth. And, uh, man, they just can't seem to hit the baseball anymore, and they've fallen out of first place for the first time. Right, and the Orioles have been hot since the All-Star break ended. They've been winning a bunch of Rays, been going in the other direction. Yeah, something about the All-Star break. They kind of lost their mojo a little bit. But uh, we'll see if they can get it turned around. I mean, playing Texas and the Orioles, I mean, you got some tough teams there, so that can that can catch up with you a little bit. Uh, yeah, worried a little bit about, you know, with the, whether the Rays, they were in hitting so well. The question becomes then, are they uh, a little bit overachieving in the first half of the season and now they're regressing to the mean a little bit? I don't know. Uh, we'll have to see. I think I think they're still a really good team. Uh, there's going to be stretches like this from time to time. As soon as they'll get out of it and get back on a roll, or we'll be back here next week, and then we'll really get worried. <laughs> yeah, um, you know they are. I've been seeing them listed in more than one place as a sleeper team to get Otani as a rental project. Of course, they're not going to sign him long term, but you know if they could get him, that would take care of a lot of their woes with one player. Oh, it would. You know, it's interesting. The Angels look like they're going to to sell him or let him go. I know they don't want to let him just leave. So it might be one of those things as he's about to be a free agent to go ahead and get what they can for him now and have have a team like the Rays. They're they're the buyers instead of the sellers. I think we're coming up on the, the trade deadline towards the end of the month. So things are going to start to heat up on that front. Well, you know, here's how tough the American League East is. The Yankees are in last place. The Yankees are in last place. Would they're you say the 50... Yankees were in last place? Oh, yeah. Oh, it just does my heart good. And they're nine games back, but they're 50 and 47. They would be leading the Central Division by half a game. And uh, the Red Sox are only one game out of last place, 51-46. So, you know, that's – that just shows you how tough that division is. As you said, the Orioles have won eight of their last ten, and uh, they have been on a hot streak. And they seem to have a good young team that's good all around. Right, yeah, they started to come on last year. There's no surprise that they're playing well right now. And they're, they're, just a, they're a good bet to go ahead and win the division. Uh, they were not a bad team at all, like I said, last year. And they were, I believe they made it into the playoffs. Uh, they they're a threat to win the pennant. I know everybody wants to talk about how good Houston is or isn't. Uh, that's American League is becoming more and more wide open. You know, as far as the teams in the Central, you know, you talked about how in the AL East everybody's got a winning record. I think in the AL Central nobody does. Uh, the Twins are fifteen forty eight, so they're way over five hundred. Oh, did they win a couple? Yeah, okay. they, they won they, a I couple. I gotta apologize. I've been on vacation for a oh, couple man. of days, so it's might have slipped away from me. And, and by the way, I want to thank Amanda, Nicole, and all the staff over at Disney's Coronado Springs for treating Alex and Doctor Michaelina and myself like kings these past few days. I had a, having a had a really great time. Uh, so I didn't 
I don't feel the Rays pain as much because uh, I haven't been uh, watching the last couple of nights. So I didn't, re- <laughs> you know. So uh, I I hope they'll turn it around soon. We'll we'll keep an eye on that though. It is it is a worrisome trend. Well, in the British Open, an amateur, Christo Lamprecht, yeah, tied for the lead at five under par with Tommy Fleetwood and Grio. Now he's an amateur. You know he played he at Georgia Tech, yeah, exactly. and he was one of the ones the Gators beat for the national championship. He's six feet eight inches tall. He is. He's a great player, and that was a big part of that win. It would turn out to be three matches to one, but the first point uh, of that uh, final match between the Gators and Georgia Tech was won by Yushin Lin by beating Lamprecht four and three, and that gave them the all-important first point because all the other matches were tight, could have gone either way, and the Gators ended up pulling them out. But, yeah, that's where we heard. And Lamprecht went on to win the British Amateur this year. Do you know the last person to win both the British Amateur and the British Open? Do not. In the same year? Uh, certain Robert T. Jones. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That, that that's how long that's been. A few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit. All right. Well, let's R- go. Ronnie's ahead. heard of him, though, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I played with him. That's right. Played golf with him. Yeah, I, I beat him gentleman. in putt-putt golf one time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a break. We're going to try to catch up with the one of the most recent Polk County Sports Hall of Famers and former Lakeland Dreadnought and 2018 World Series MVP, Steve Pierce, you're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Talk Radio 96.7 is right in the middle of the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. The Ozone is brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone. We only have all the stars. And with us tonight, a distinct pleasure to have with us former Lakeland Dreadnought, former South Carolina Gamecock and the 2018 World Series MVP, not to mention one of the latest inductees into the Polk County Sports Hall of Fame, Steve Pierce. Steve, welcome to the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Man, we certainly appreciate you coming on. Big news first, how did your daughter's softball tournament turn out? Uh, it, it turned out good. We didn't win, but, uh, it, you know, at, at this age, it's definitely a learning experience. And, uh, you know, you know, as far as me and my wife, we were having a blast just, you know, going out there and watching her play. Uh, I, I know it, it's probably tougher to be in the stands watching a child play than it was for you to play yourself, wasn't it? Oh, it sure is. You know, I'm pacing, you know, back and forth. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, you know it's, it's a lot different beast out there watching. <laughs> Uh, Steve, one of the things that really impressed me about your career is the perseverance and determination that you showed. There were times where you were called up from the minors, you did well, and circumstances caused you to be sent back down, yet you never gave up. Where do you, what do you credit for the perseverance and determination that you showed? Oh, man, you know, that has always been a part of my makeup. You know, I've, I've always played to where you know when I was growing up I wasn't always the biggest I wasn't always the fastest I always wasn't the strongest I just always wanted to prove that I belonged and I would always outwork anybody on the field off the field and that was just that was just who I was and uh you know when whenever somebody told me I wasn't good enough that 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 just you know put a chip on my shoulder I didn't run and hide from it I didn't agree with it but you know my job at that point was always to prove people wrong well 
You played for the Dreadnoughts. How in the world did you get out of the state of Florida and go to South Carolina with Florida, Florida State, and Miami here? Well, my, my first move from, from the Dreadnoughts was to Indian River Community College. That was That's where I went first. And, uh, and as far as, you know, with those schools, I, I really wanted to go there. Uh, you know, I wanted to go to Florida. I wanted, I grew up a Florida state fan, so I wanted to go to Florida state. I wanted to go to Florida. I wanted to, uh, you know, I wanted to play in the SEC and I just know at that time, baseball was, was really big at those two schools. And, um, and then, uh, you know, South Carolina came calling and, uh, you know, they were, they went to the world series back to back years, uh, before I got there. And that program was just on the up and up. It was in the SEC and, and uh, that just kind of like just opened up my my eyes, my you know different view, and I'm like, you know what, let's let's do this, let's try something different, and uh, and you know I end up choosing South Carolina, and, and and I just you know thank God everything worked out well, and I just love the decision that I made. <laughs> Steve, it seemed like you had a lot of tough breaks, but on June 28th of 2018, it seemed like the baseball gods finally shined on you. You were sitting behind Mitch Moreland, who was the Red Sox regular first baseman until game two of the ALDS. He gets hurt, and you took off after that. You go to the World Series. You have a home run off Kenley Jansen, who throws about a million miles an hour that tied game four, and a bases-clearing double that put the Red Sox up eight to four in a game that you'd win nine to six. And then in game five, two home runs, one off Kershaw, and then one in the eighth, and uh, then the Lakeland former Lakeland Dreadnought um, comes in to finish off the World Series. What was that like to you? Oh man, that was uh, you know definitely the the, uh, the pinnacle of my career. Um, you know, and you know it was you know when I got the call to, to go over the Boston Red Sox. You know, I was I, every time I always faced the Boston Red Sox, I always had to face Chris Sale because I was a righty. And, <laughs> And he was and he was the lefty, so that was like always my thing. I always had to face him, and I didn't fare too well against the guy. But um, yeah, then they they traded for me. I was like, why the heck they want me? You know, I like I haven't done well against Chris L like ever. But you know, I always competed against him. And um, you know, so when I got to go over there, I was like, heck yeah, this is great. I never have to face Sale anymore. This is this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know and then oh and then you know obviously you know when ev- you know everything started happening we went on that world series tear and and you know when we had the uh the lead going into the ninth inning and then you know when you see the bullpen run up and you see sale running in from the outfield i mean that just that, i had chills just thinking about it i mean that was just it was awesome and you know you just see chris sale our starter just like owning the situation running out there and it was just like you know, from pitch one, it was like, this game is over. <laughs> and so it was, it was just, it was just so exciting to see, so exciting that, you know, me and Sale from the same, same city, um, you know, same ties in Lakeland, and, you know, he's friends with my younger brother. So it was just really cool to, you know, share that moment with him. And, and, uh, you know, me and him, you know, every time we get together, we talk about it and it's just, just very, just, you know, it was a strawberry on top of my career. That was just, that was just so cool for <laughs> that moment. Our guest tonight, Steve Pierce, newest member of the Polk County Sports Hall of Fame and former Boston Red Sox World Series hero. Is that is is that possible with the Red Sox? All right. Hey, uh, great, great to have you on the show uh, tonight, Steve. Coach Joe here. You know, Ronnie got to talk to you about all that fun stuff. Uh, I guess it's left up to me to ask you about some of the tougher times <laughs> over, over your career. Um, 
I, you gra- drafted in the eighth round out of uh, by the Pirates, and you got on the field fairly quickly within a couple of years, and things got bogged down a little bit. You'd mentioned earlier about people telling you you couldn't do this or couldn't do that. What were they? What were they telling you? You know, when Pittsburgh drafted you, and and uh, and, and sort of take us through those early years. All right. Well, um, yeah, yeah. When I got drafted, you know, it was like I slipped all the way to the eighth round, and you know, I thought I was one of the one of the best hitters in the country. But uh, you know, obviously, you know, somebody, you know, I I, I listened to uh, you know what some uh, scouts told me. You know, I wasn't big enough. My swing might not play with the wood bat. So, you know, it kind of started from from day one. It was like, all right, well, this is it. So let me just prove to you. And I and at that point, I was one of the uh, you know, I flew through the minor league system and then, um, you know, and then I, I got to the big leagues fast and it was very tough to stay there because I was always playing, you know, behind some, you know, some all-star or some well-known player. So then it was, you know, I go from having played infield my whole life to now I have to go learn how to play the outfield or some play some different position so I could get onto the field and, you know, you know, to learn all that, you know, at the big league level, you know, it's kind of tough and, and, you know, you're not, you're, 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 you go from an everyday guy in the minor leagues. Now you're a spot starter learning another position in the big leagues. You know, it was just, it was tough and it was overwhelming. You know, I could do it. It was just, you know, at that time, it, there was just, you know, a lot of stuff that you had to learn and on the fly. And, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was tough. It was a very tough learning process, a learning curve. You know, I had to learn to hit off the bench, not being a starter. Um, you know, if you think about the guys who play every single day in the big leagues, you know, if they fail seven out of ten times, they're a stud. And those are the guys who play every single day. And then, so now when you break it down and you're not playing every single day, it, it's even harder. And so I'm sitting there having to learn all this stuff, you know, on the fly, going up, getting called down, you know, playing behind this guy, going back down. It was just, it was just been, a, it was a whirlwind, but. You know, I wasn't going to, you know, I, I always had in my mind, it's like, you know what, I, I belong at this level. I know I could play at the big league level. I just need a fair chance. And, and um, you know, at the beginning of my career, I didn't, those breaks just weren't going my way. But, you know, I was always, I was always a guy that was just like, you know what, I'm going to prove I belong. I know I can play at this level. I can hit this level. It's still the same game as the minor league. You know, you're still trying to hit the baseball from 60 feet, six inches away. And, uh, you know, it was just, it just, you know, some guys peak, you know, when they come up early and, you know, it just took me a little bit while to get started, but, but I was always that guy that was just going to, I'm going to prove I can do it. And, uh, I don't care what happens. Uh, they're going to have to rip that Jersey off my back in order for me to uh, quit this game. During the tougher times, uh, who, who would you say helped you the most? And uh, did you ever reach back and talk to your old coaches, uh, for help or, or just, or just to, um, to be able to uh, bounce things off of them and 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 just talk and and, and try to f- figure out what how to how to get where you wanted to go. Um, honestly, it was more just you know just you know grinding you know just talking with you know dad you know it's like he, you know me you know dad you know he was always my ear to complain on and and uh, you know if I didn't have him I I don't know what would have happened but you know he was always just you know kept me going you know. You know, you keep your eye on the prize, keep going, keep going, keep going. And, and I always would. I, was just, I just I just kept doing it and just kept grinding. I mean, I think my, you know, my career, if you had to sum up in one word, is a grinder. I just kept <laughs> grinding and grinding. And, and um, 
but yeah, without my dad, I don't know what would have happened because he was on speed dial one before games, after games, <laughs> bad games, good games. It was, you know, I just like to, uh, you know, get the gratification from him and, or, you know, he gave me the tough criticism. It was, it's what you need to do. Let's do it. And, and I just kept going. Is that, that's the philosophy he taught you. Is you, are you passing that on to your daughter now or, or is it just at this stage of her, her life, just go out and play and not say anything? Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to instill that in both my kids. Don't give up. Uh, you know, we're out here playing football today, and, you know, my son's ha- you know, he was having a tough time catching the football. He's five years old. And I'm like, we're not going to quit. We're just going to keep practicing. No matter what happens, you're going to get better. <laughs> you're going to get better. And catching is hard. And, it's hard, you know? Yeah. If it was easy, everybody would do it. Yeah. It's a tough <laughs> game. It's a very tough game. Oh, there you go. Steve, in addition to being the 2018 World Series MVP, you have another distinction you're the only player in Major League history to hit two walk-off grand slams in a week. You were with the Blue Jays then, is that correct? Yeah. What do you remember about that? Uh, you know, both those both those scenarios were just it, it was just awesome. You know, one of those, it, um, you know, I, I think I wrapped one around a foul pole. You know, like just a three-two count. I think we we're playing against Oakland. You know, we're playing. It, it's just a you know, wild game and, and uh, you know, just able to work a count, laying off tough pitches, getting my pitch and not missing it. I, I just remember, you know, when I was doing it in that game, it's just like, don't miss this pitch. This is what happened. This is what's going to happen. This is, you know, it was like the few times, like the scouting report was like ever right. You know, <laughs> I'm just like, come on. Like, he's like, this is it. And I'm like, you're going to get this pitch. Like, do not miss it. And I, and I connected on it and I was leaning like, stay fair. <laughs> Were you aware and, of that record? Um, yeah, yeah, because I was, it was, I was like one of, uh, I was one of a, of a couple players, uh, to do that, uh, which one of them was my old hitting coach. He did, I did it in like three days. He did it in the same season, but not three days apart. Wow. Who, who was the hitting coach? Uh, Jim Presley. Oh, oh yeah, man. and so when they they put me and him up on the same board, I was like, "Oh my God, that's cool. you know, Coach Bradley." <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we we have a good laugh, and we actually have a still relationship to this day. And every time we take a picture, we're like, "We're we're the only two players alive to ever do that." <laughs> we always, you know, always have a you know a cheers with a beer um, when 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 we see each other. But yeah, then the, the the second one was like your your backyard scenarios, like you know you're down by three, bottom of the ninth, <laughs> and uh, hit the grand slam, and that that was actually a more fun game because that was uh we were down, I, I forget the score, but I'm just gonna make up a score, but it was something like ten to three or or something like that in the ninth inning, so we rallied all the way back and we and and, uh, and we won that game, so that that was fun to do it in that scenario. Hey, it's Steve, uh, anything. You you'd want to do a little differently in your career when you look back on it. Um, I mean, of course, you know, you definitely you know it would have been nice to you know to have an easier path. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It'd be nice. To well, well, yeah, a sure. Contract right right when I walked into the door. You know, and definitely. You know, there was. You know, sometimes people just develop later. Sometimes people just learn later. You know, I was just one of those guys that was just a, you know, a raw athlete. You know, I was, I was joked that, you know, I was a jack of all trades, master of none. You know, I would just, you know, go play first base. Okay. Go play shortstop. Okay. Go play third base. Okay. You know, it was like, I could always play every position, you know, it'd be nice to, 
you know, to have a, a, a you know, a locked in position, you know, some places like, Hey, this is going to be you every single day, no matter what. And, but, you know, I was just, you know, I'm a ball player. I could play anything. And, and, uh, but to answer your question, it's like, I mean, yeah, I wish, yeah, I wish the road had been paved a little easier, but you know, it's sometimes stuff don't go the way you, you like. And, and, uh, sometimes you got to pave your own path. Well, you paved a great path to 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 uh, a great career, I think, and a, a great time in baseball. And we had a great time talking to you tonight, uh, Steve. Uh, we appreciate it. We hope hope you can just hang on the line after we go to commercial and do, do a liner for us. We'd really appreciate that. And thanks for being on the show. Uh, it's just great talking to you, and it's a great example of how uh, greatness doesn't always come easy, does it? But <laughs> but I guess uh, when you when you persevere and you hang in there you can achieve it, and you're a great example of that, and we're very proud that you're now part of the Polk County Sports Hall of Fame. Well, thank you very much, and um, I appreciate you guys for having me, and, and uh, you know, I'm glad I get to tell my story. If I could just hit a couple people in the heart and let them know that, you know, sometimes it's not always sunshine and rainbows. You know, sometimes you got to go think outside the box, do something a little different, you know. Absolutely. Thank I you agree. so much. Thank you so much, Steve. It's just been a joy to talk to you, and thanks for hanging hanging on there after we go to break now, and uh, and we'll get that liner from you. That's uh, Steve Pierce joining us tonight, the 2018 World Series MVP and a member of the Polk County Sports Hall of Fame. We're going to take a break to Kim Commando and Fox Business Brief, and then we're going to come back. Ronnie had an interview with our man, Bill Steele. We'll find out about college football after the break. Talk Radio 96.7. Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. The Ozone is brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. They turn scrap metal into cash. Earlier this afternoon, Ronnie O caught up with Phil Steele, and here's what that sounded like. It's our distinct pleasure to have one of our favorite guests of all time, Phil Steele, author of Phil Steele's 2023 college football preview and want to thank Chris Van Dyne on your staff for setting this up. He does a great job for you, Phil. You know, he does a great job, but Ronnie, we've been doing this forever for crying out loud. So uh, <laughs> I appreciate you having me on your show each and every year for all these past years. Oh, we wouldn't miss it. Well, let's get right down to business. Don't think real highly of the Florida Gators fifth in the SEC East. What do you see as the strengths and the weaknesses of this Gator team? Uh, as far as the strengths go, I would have to say, uh, first of all, head coach Billy Napier uh, is a solid head coach. Uh, the run game with the, uh, Trevor Etienne, Montrell Johnson, Cam Carroll, Trayon Webb. Uh, it's a very deep running back core, which I rate number 16 in the country. The receiving core, I mean, Ricky Pearsall came in last year uh, as a transfer from Arizona State and had a breakout year, averaging 20 yards per catch. Uh, I rate him a top 20 receiving core. The offensive line this year is a little bit of a question mark, uh, but you go to the defense, I think each of the three units on the defensive side of the ball will be improved this year. Now, my question marks for Florida, number one would be, how does Graham Mertz fit into the system? When I talked to Coach Napier, he was very high on Graham Mertz. So he's one of the most intelligent guys he's got, a hard worker, great arm. He's got everything he wants. Uh, I'll have to see how he does. I, I think Napier's system fits better with a mobile quarterback. Mertz can run, but he's not exactly a dual threat type of guy. 
The other thing would be the overall experience level of the team. Florida comes in at number 109 on my experience chart, which uh, is rather low. It's one of the least experienced teams uh, in the country. And the other factor of the big question mark is the schedule, Ronnie. I mean, you look at Florida, they take on the toughest schedule in the country, not only playing in the SEC and drawing a team like LSU out of the West, but how about non-conference games against Utah, a potential top-10 team, and Florida State, who will be in the preseason top-10. That is a brutal schedule for Florida. In fact, Vegas right now has the over-under win total for Florida at 5.5. That means if this team makes a bowl game, they overachieve what Vegas expects right now. Oh, my goodness. Well, you mentioned the Florida State Seminoles. Now, they have a rosier picture. You've got them number two in the ACC behind Clemson. They return eight starters on offense, nine on defense. What do you see as the strengths and weaknesses of this Florida State team? Uh, They have strengths across the board. You know, I talked about how inexperienced Florida is this year. Florida State's my number two most experienced team in the country. In fact, if you look at the offense and defensive line, offense and defense ratings, uh, there are seven units. They rank in my top units in all seven categories. That's not a surprise for a team like Florida State. But they rank in my top unit, top 15 of all seven units. So that tells you how talented this team is. They got practically everybody back from last year. And then, just like Mike Norvell did last year, added a lot of transfers coming in, like a Braden Fisk on the defensive line. He was a sack guy at uh, Western Michigan. Uh, Central Cypress comes in from Virginia, cornerback. Uh, Keon Coleman, Michigan State's top wide receiver, transfers in. So this is a very talented Florida State team. In fact, they're going to be the preseason media pick to win the ACC this year. I have Clemson winning the ACC, but Florida State's going to be right up there. And the only games I've gotten an underdog all year, uh, Ronnie, are Clemson on the road, which is partially the reason I picked Clemson to win the ACC, and then uh, maybe the Pitt game on the road. But they'll be favored in all the other games this year, and uh, they are a very dangerous team. How in the world did they have a three-game losing streak last year? They've lost three in a row to Wake Forest. They lost to NC State. And, of course, Clemson. I mean, Clemson was an outstanding team. How in the world did that happen? Yeah, they were all very close games. So, you know, they could have uh, changed on basically one play. They lose to NC State by two, Clemson by six. And the Wake Forest game was actually closer than the final score would indicate. A late score there uh, changed that one a little bit. But uh, it – Last year, they outgained opponents by ACC opponents by 165 yards per game. So, despite the three losses, statistically, they were the best team in the ACC last year. So, I, I probably echo your sentiments, Rodney. They uh, they probably had the talent to be even better last year. Wow. Well, the Miami Hurricanes talk about inexplicable. They gave up over 40 points in five different games last year. They ended up five and seven. But they've got nine starters back on offense, ten on defense. What do you see for the Miami Hurricanes? Yeah, and almost every second-year coach I've ever talked to, Ronnie, has said the same thing. Boy, we are in so much better shape than we were last year. Now the players know my systems. I know the players inside and out. I've got two years of my recruits, and that's what everyone says. And Mario Cristobal said the same thing, of course, this year. Tough missing out on a bowl game last year, but he is pumped up about both the offense and the defensive line. And when I say he, I'm talking about Mario Cristobal. Uh, the offensive line has taken a huge step up in talent and physicality. He likes big physical offensive lines. He's got a big physical offensive line. And defensively, uh, he loves the uh, what they have on the edge 
and he thinks there's potential in the interior. They're deeper than they were, were heading into last season. Also a quarterback. Remember two years ago, Tyler Van Dyke had a fantastic year. And coming into the season last year, uh, he was somebody that was listed as a Heisman candidate and one of the best QBs in the country. Now, he didn't really fit the offense last year that they had. Only 10 touchdown passes, five interceptions, and even got banged up at times. This year he fits the, the offense of Shannon Dawson much better than last year. So I think this is a vastly improved Miami team. Now, like Florida, they've got a tough schedule. They'll be an underdog when they host Texas A&M. They'll be an underdog at North Carolina, home against Clemson, at NC State, and at Florida State. So a dog in potentially five games this year. I think Miami takes a step forward. They go from five wins to maybe seven, possibly eight wins this year, get to a bowl game, get the benefit of the bowl practices. I don't consider them a bona fide contender in the ACC this year. I think that you have to wait one more year to do that next year. But I do think they're a clear bowl team, and they do make my most improved list. Phil, the Big 12 has expanded by four teams, and they're going to lose Texas and Oklahoma next year. But we've got our guy Cougar Lou, and uh, he loves the Houston Cougars. You've got them tied for last place. What do you see for them? They lose McCaskill. They lose Clayton Toon. What do you see for them this year? Yeah, and I, excuse me, I think when it comes to Houston, uh, it's the experience level overall. They go for number 33 in my experience chart last year to number 103 this year. As you mentioned, they lose Clayton Toon. They lose uh, Nathan Dell, a wide receiver. Uh, Keyshawn Carter, a wide receiver. They lose their top five tacklers from, excuse me, from last year, including eight of the top nine tacklers, all gone. So of all the years to take that step up and move into the Big 12, uh, this probably isn't the year to do it for Houston. A very inexperienced team on both sides of the ball. Now, I do think Dana Holgerson will have this team poised to compete in the Big 12 in the near future, maybe even as early as next year. I think he's doing a good job recruiting, taking advantage of the Houston area. He's doing a really good job coaching. If you go back and look at Houston, they've won 20 games the last two years. That's pretty doggone good. Not too many teams in the country have won more than that. But this does look like a rebuilding year, a step up in competition level, and that's why I have them towards the bottom. The UCF Knights, they also are joining the Big 12, and you have them eighth. Uh, they got eight back on offense, seven on defense. Gus Malzahn, I think he's an underrated coach. That guy's a pretty darn good coach. Um, John Rice Plumley back at quarterback. What do you see for the Knights? I think if any of the four newcomers to the Big 12 this year um, actually, actually contend, I would give USC that opportunity. Uh, as you mentioned, John Rice Plumley's back. Last year, they fell off when Plumlee went out of the game. This year, they bring in a Timmy McLean from USF as a transfer. Uh, I think they're better at the backup quarterback position. While they lose their top running back in Isaiah Bowser, they've got Harvey and Richardson and McDonald back. And when I'm over the team with Coach Malzahn, he said he's been preparing for the Big 12 for the last two years. I felt that they may have been the most talented team in the American last year. If not, if Rice Plumlee doesn't get hurt, maybe they beat Tulane in the championship team game half. Heck, they went to, uh, at Tulane last year and won during the regular season and pretty much controlled that game. So this is a very talented UCF team, one that the opposite of Houston. They're number nine on my experience chart. They have practically everyone back. So I think if any of the newcomers uh, do make a move in the Big 12 this year, UCF would be your team. 
everyone that reads your magazine knows it's just chock full of information, and you are just unbelievably accurate on the predictions you make. In, in each of these teams I've asked you about, you said, well, I talked to coach. How many coaches do you talk to in a year? Uh, in, in the preseason, prior to putting the magazine out this year, I talked to 122 of the 133 head coaches. So, oh, my gosh. I uh, talked to almost almost all of them. And the calls, Ronnie, uh, are, are different. They're not like, um, hey, coach, how you feeling? How do you feel about this year's team? I send them over my team pages, which have every single player on the roster with all my notes and all their stats. And I say, okay, let's go over each player on your team. The calls take about an hour. Uh, some of them take longer than an hour. And uh, uh, what we do is get strengths and weaknesses of each of the players, how they feel about the overall position. That's where you'll find that our two deeps and three deeps and four deeps that we put in the magazine are highly accurate, and uh, I value those conversations greatly. Well, speaking of accuracy, one of the things I'm always fascinated with is the amazing accuracy of your surprise teams. This year you got Wisconsin first, and as you mentioned, Texas A&M. Talk about how you go about doing that because you don't just pick the ones that everybody picks. Yeah, and the surprise team is if the first category is you have to be a non-top-10 team, and these are teams that I expect to contend for a playoff spot, and we've had pretty good success with them. And with Wisconsin, as an example, uh, when you look at the Badgers this year, they're a team that's much more experienced than last year's squad. They go from number 104 in my experience chart all the way up to number 20. Look at the defense. Last year they only had three starters back. This year they've got eight starters back on the defensive side of the ball, so a veteran defense. Offensively, I had some concerns, Ronnie, about the switch over to more passing. With uh, They bring in Tanner Mordecai from SMU. Phil Longo comes over from North Carolina as the offensive coordinator. But after talking to Coach Fickle, they're not going to abandon the run game. And, of course, Fickle's had plenty of 1,000-yard rushers at Cincinnati. Uh, he feels that last year teams could stack the box on them. You got eight, nine guys in the box because they knew they were going to run. Now with more of a pass offense, he feels it's going to open up holes for Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi in that big offensive line. And what I really like about Wisconsin is the schedule. You look at their five road games this year. They're against Washington State, Purdue, Illinois, Indiana, and Minnesota, all winnable. The two toughest games they have are Iowa, they get them at home, and Ohio State, they not only get them at home, they catch them the week after they play Penn State. So if you're looking for a team, nobody's talking about making the playoff, like TCU last year, for example. Uh, I'm looking at the Wisconsin, which was just 7-6 and six last year, is having a legitimate shot of making the playoffs this year. No doubt about it. Phil, um, we're almost out of time. Tell people how they can get your magazine, and uh, you have an online presence as well. Is that correct? Yeah, I appreciate that, Ronnie. And uh, the magazine, unlike past years, is available this year exclusively at Barnes & Noble and Books A Million. In years past, you go to grocery stores, Walmart, places like that to get the magazine. But this year, Barnes & Noble and Books A Million exclusively are your retail outlets. Now, you can go to the website, which is philsteel.com, and pick up the magazine uh, and when you go to philsteel.com, I'm going to charge you a shipping charge. Naturally, it costs to ship things. However, you get the hard copy shipped to you. Then you get the digital magazine absolutely free. And the digital magazine is actually updated all the way through September. And uh, as an example, if you flip to the Northwestern team page, it lists the head coach as David Braun of Northwestern, which is it's no longer Pat Fitzgerald. So we update player moves 
coaching moves, anything that's happened since the magazine went to the press in the digital version. So Barnes & Noble and Books A Million are your retail outlets. If you want to order online, go to philsteel.com. And when you get the hard copy, you get the digital magazine for free. You can't beat that. Phil, as always, thank you so much. Hey, Ronnie, always enjoy our conversations, my friend. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Hey, this is Matt Grothy, former USF Bull and Lake Gibson Braves, and you're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on the Ozone. The Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone. I know you're waiting right now. The stomachs are growling. The dialing fingers are itching. You want to get that sports quiz, so I'm here you go. I'm hungry. I'm <laughs> the hungry. Clarkster is hungry. He's always hungry. Well, today would have been Jake Scott's 78th birthday. He passed away in 2020, one of the all-time great safeties in college and also in the NFL. What we want to know is real easy. If you can tell us two of one of the teams, he played for two teams in the NFL. You only have to tell us one. One of the two teams he played for in the NFL, his number in the NFL for the South Florida team that he played for, or you can also tell us um, what team he played for in college. 682-1430, 682-1430, and we'll send you out to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. They're located at 5650 South Florida Avenue. They've got over 40 strategically located television sets. And Coach Joe just might be out there. I might be out there. You never know. And as long as you don't let the Clarkster go out there on the same day, you might get something to eat and drink. Oh, man, I never get anything. (laughs) Yeah, back from a vacation, I'll definitely uh, find my way over there soon. You know, Jake Scott is still the all-time leading uh, Dolphin in interceptions. He still leads the team all time. He had 35. He only played for them for six years. He had 35 interceptions. He was quite the ball hawk, as you recall, the MVP of Super Bowl VII. Uh, he actually intercepted two passes in that game when they beat the Redskins 14-7 to to conclude the and finish off the undefeated season with a championship. Uh, so uh, you, you know what else about Jake Scott? He was known as being legendary tough guy. You wouldn't, you wouldn't realize it because um, – you know, you know, he looks like, uh, you know, Bill Redneck, <laughs> but uh, he is an amazing tough guy. Uh, and he stood up to, to Don Shula for years. They wouldn't even speak after after he left the Dolphins. They, they prior to to his death and prior to Shula's death, they made up later. But uh, and uh, he was he was uh, a legend on his team. He was the one guy when they did rookie hazing and said, you know, you got to sing your team song. He said no, and nobody messed with it. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't want to, he didn't have to. He must have been a hard guy to get along with because he also had a feud with his college coach and refused to uh, go into their Hall of Fame. And um, so uh, yeah. give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. You've heard the answer if you're listening. So 682-1430. What we want to know is Jake Scott would have been 78 years old today. He passed away in 2020. We want to know what college team he played for, or you can tell us which of two NFL teams he played for or his number with that team in the NFL that he was drafted by, 682-1430. Come on. All you got to do, if you were listening, we've told you a couple times, 682-1430. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, the, uh, the interesting thing about Jake Scott, you know, you said that he didn't get along with coaches. He was had the more of the mindset of the modern player. 
when he was injured, he would not take the needle or take the shot, which was commonplace back then. If you ever saw North Dallas 40, he was one of those guys who said, I won't do it. And the coaches would get mad at him for that. You know, Jake, Jake Scott was a, an independent thinker. And, you know, back then that was a big deal. That was like, what the heck is going on that he won't take the shot? And he was kind of uh, shunned for that. All right, we've got somebody calling in that's hungry and thirsty, so hopefully we can get them in here. We've only got less than a minute left in the show. So, John, how are you tonight? Doing good. How are you? Fantastic. Who'd Jake Scott play for? Miami Dolphins. That's correct. I didn't know he played for the Redskins as well, but um, you're right. Um, unfortunately, we're almost out of time. You ever been out to the Ale House? Yeah, I have. All right. John, what number did he wear? Ooh, I think you got me there. <laughs> well, it was worn by a famous quarterback for the Dolphins later. How about that? 13. Oh, famous quarterback, Dan Reno. <laughs> yeah, there right. you go. Yeah. There Good. you go. Good job, John. Well, John, hang on the line, and uh, Eric will get your information, and we'll send that out to the Ale House. You can go out there as early as tomorrow, and uh, you can go out there and eat and drink what you want. They'll take $30 off your tab. How about that? Appreciate it. <laughs> 